Hey now, welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Fasser, a.k.a. Coach Fats. Thank you so much for joining us. We have an awesome guest today to answer your questions. His name is Chris King. He is the defensive coordinator for St. John Bosco in Bellflower, California. They have an amazing program with amazing coaches, and their players are second to none. And, you know, you see some programs where the coaches rely on the talent. You've seen them. I've seen them. But John Bosco has the talent and they have the coaches to go along with it. Chris is as good as it gets on the defensive side of the ball. I've been lucky enough to get to know him over the past couple of years, thanks to James Light. And part of that relationship helped one of my best friends, Stephen Lowe, get the offensive coordinator job there. And Chris has practically become family to me. So he's also my travel buddy, which we'll talk a little bit about in a few minutes. And one of my closest confidants on and off the field. Lastly, before we get started, I just want to wish everybody a great and healthy season. Good luck to all of you. And thank you for supporting the show over the last couple months. My guest this week is Chris King, defensive coordinator from the St. John Bosco High School. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate this. Oh, man, I appreciate you and your friendship. So Chris is my uh, travel buddy. We uh, when we go on spring breaks, we we take trips together. The last couple of years, we've gone to Tennessee and Georgia. I think both both years back to back. Yeah, right. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I think we went a couple times. I think we've been more than once. We went for the clinic. I think we went back later. Yeah, oh, yeah, this year. Yeah, we went this year for spring, and then we went to Tennessee. Uh, yeah, both years. We went spring breaks, both spring breaks. Yeah. So if you want to have us at your school or your college, just uh, you can send your resume into us. CoachVastFootball at gmail.com. Love it. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the questions of the week. So the first question comes from Marco Longoria, who coaches safeties and linebackers. His Twitter handle is at Marco, M-A-R-C-O, Longoria, L-O-N-G-O-R-I-A, 2-3. His question is, what is your opinion on defending the flexible offense from a 3-4 and a 4-2-5 structure, coverage and option responsibilities? So I'll go first on this one. We've never defended out of an odd front. If you're interested in defending out of an odd front, you should definitely check out um, what Clemson and Georgia has done. I really like their stack linebacker look where they get in a 3-1-1 look with two high safeties. I really like it. From a 4-2-5, I think the the biggest thing for defending the flex bone is changing up your inside shades. So don't give them a beat on where the three and the one is. Stem, slant, line up a twos and slant. And then the biggest thing for me in the option responsibilities and coverage is read the slot. The slot will tell you what to do. So... You could start, we like to pre-snap start in man-free, and once they motion, play traditional robber coverage to that side, and then sky away, just like an inverted halves. Um, and then we read the slots. So if it's, um, if they arc, the down safeties have pitch, and the deep safety plays inside out on the quarterback. 
And if the slot loads, uh, vice versa. So then the down safety will take the cue. The free safety will overlap to the pitch and play. We play it usually out of an eight man structure like that. And then have a way to change up the dive and, and QB responsibilities with the end. Obviously, we try to put the end on the dive unless he gets an out block. And the inside linebacker's got to play the dive. And then we'll we'll change it up. And stemming your front gives those options a lot of all option teams a lot of problem too, because a lot of those veer teams still count. And so when you stem your fronts, it changes their counts, especially if you can time it up and you might get them to jump as well. Chris, uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, we don't play much flex one. We played a, a team in our league that had a few, a few years, uh, Chuck Peterson, who was with Fisher DeBerry at Air Force, ended up as a head coach in our league. So he came in the first year and was installing it. Um, you know, we, we felt like we had some pretty good answers. Uh, we actually would play kind of some some three, four, uh, too high to it. And then we would kind of play a four, two, five, one high into it. Um, we felt that first year we had some pretty good answers, did some nice things to it. Uh, once he was able to be there for two years and put all his bells and whistles in, all of a sudden it was like we had no idea what we were doing. So, um, you know, year three, we went back and kind of studied it and found some options that we can do. Um, you know, changing up was key, you know, especially when it was uh, the third year was a was first year quarterback. So, you know, when that guy's in the system for a bunch of years and he knows exactly who to read and how to read him and all that good stuff, um, obviously changing up the keys there are important. So, um, like you said, you know, obviously in the four down stuff, we always try to put, uh, Take away the dive first. Um, the last option, obviously, for us would be make them pitch the ball. While those guys don't even like to do that, um, definitely move the three and the one for the midline and the outside veer, uh, all that good type of stuff. So, um, like I said, we don't we don't see a whole lot of it, um, you know. And it was pretty good for those couple of years we had to face it. And again, Chuck Peterson was the Division One uh, offensive coordinator of the year one year back there when he was with, with Air Force, so he knew all the bells and whistles all that good stuff. So it was kind of a good coaching experience for myself and our staff uh, to see that. And we have to see that again, but uh, knock on wood, luckily we have not seen it again. Yeah. It's, it's one of those deals. I get fired up to do it, to play against it at first. I'm like, Oh yeah, we get to play the flex mode. And then on Tuesday, I'm wanting to quit football together. So it can be, exactly. it definitely can be a pain when it's run. Well, it's hard, especially I'm sure. In the States, it might be only Texas where you can cut in the open field. But I think in high school, some of these guys, and I'm sure I'm going to get a bunch of hate mail about there's no true, but I think it's much easier to defend when they're not cutting in the open field. So without our doubt, that's one of the things that we talked about, too, you know, that we were trying to watch some film on it. We're like, man, if that if they can do that in in California and high school in general, that would have made it a, a lot tougher to do, obviously, in the perimeter. Absolutely. Our next question is comes from Cody Bentley. He's a defensive coordinator and secondary coach. His Twitter handle is at C-B-E-N-T-L-E-8. His question is, playing a team next week that has a new play caller in the scrimmage they threw about 70%. How much stock should I put into the tendencies I get from that scrimmage and play caller? Chris, you want to take that one first? Okay, I mean, that's a, that's a great question, especially if it's a first-year guy. What's he trying to do? I mean, there, there's a lot of variables, a lot of factors in that. You know, for us defensively, when we scrimmage, we like to throw a lot of things out there um, and work on some things. At that point, you're still trying to figure out who you are. So that that's one of those things, too. It's like, you know, maybe they're trying to work the pass game. Um, they Maybe they felt good about the run game and tried to work that. That's why it was a 70-30 ratio. Um, maybe it's just something they felt uh, that they were defending, you know, how the other team was defending them. Um, you know, a lot of offense nowadays obviously take what you give them. And if you were, you know, real heavy in the box, you know, going 70-30 is not a big deal. So uh, that's kind of tough. You got to, 
you know, if you could find out uh, where that guy was before, what kind of philosophy he has, I mean, especially that first year play car, that's pretty difficult. So, you know, we, we, uh, especially during the season, you know, how we were last week when we played this week going in, you know, this part time of the season early on, you know, it's more about ourselves, you know, let, let's get lined up, right. Let's get off blocks. Let's tackle well, let's play in space, do all those type of things. I mean, schematically, you always want to give yourself an advantage. Um, but early in the year like this, for us, you know, we talked about it all week. This week you know, it, it's about us at this point. You know, it, it is, if it's the first game of the year, early season, you don't really know what you're going to get. Just, just be the best you can be. Run the ball, tackle well, swarm and punish. That's our motto. Um, you know, so I'd, I would put more stock in that, especially when you don't know what you're going to get from your opponent. Yeah, it's tough. I wouldn't put any stock in the tendencies, so to speak. From This is just my opinion. And Chris and I are going to agree on some stuff. We're going to disagree. That's why it's good. I mean, otherwise, it's just me rattling it on. But I wouldn't put any stock in the in the scrimmage in terms of the percentages. I would practice. I, I would practice everything 50-50, segment it off. Try to have, I mean, try to have as much of tools in your tool belt ready to uh, go in case anything happens. I mean, we played a team last week um, that in the scrimmage they showed twenty and ten personnel, and they were a whole new staff. And I had a sinking feeling they were going to be in twenty-one personnel because the head coach had worked at a school the year before, only for one year, but they had they had run the eye. And um, I saw the scrimmage film, and the, the the receiver was always flexed out, and he was on the ball. And something just told me they were going to get into it. We barely covered it and went against my gut. And sure enough, that's what they came out in. And so we had enough tools on our tool belt that it would adjust on the fly and be ready to go. So like Chris said, it's all about you. So I would not practice um, anything. I would not practice passing if you're asking 70% of the time and only running 30% of the time. I would practice in both the same, but have calls built in that favors the pass more than the run in case they come out throwing the ball. So our next question, I'll take this one, is from Chad Farwig. Defensive coordinator, his uh, Twitter handle is at ZX9R23. He says, have you considered a YouTube or any other video platform? Seeing this on a board would be super helpful. Some concepts can be tough to visualize from words only. Chad, I totally understand, but work podcast, bud. Um, In season, I'm lucky to get guys like Chris who are willing to put in their time and hop on a phone call and record this and send it out into the ether sitting and being on a board and doing all this stuff. First of all, it kind of takes away from the whole podcast vibe and that medium. Um, and then just time. So, um, no, we're going to stick to the podcasting format. I know I've been asked about that. And when we try and describe things, I try to describe them as if we were talking to the phone. So you should be able to, to, um, draw as you go. If that's not the case, Feel free to ask clarifying questions. That's why I try and put the Twitter handle on there. Also, you can hit me up on Twitter at Coach Vass, and uh, I'll try to clarify anything that I uh, put out there if, if, if I didn't explain it well enough. So our next question is from Peter Newman, his defensive coordinator, DBs. His Twitter handle is at Coach Noon, like 12 o'clock noon, 45. His question is, we're off this week and our opponent on September 6th gets into a lot of two-by-two with a mixture of run and pass. Routes are typically vertical and in or out concepts. Running a 4-2-5 and a lot of cover three and cover six and seven box installed. What are coverage options other than straight man, which we have the ability to do? 
I mean, that is, I mean, there's a million coverages out there. Um, we, I mean, if you're covering verticals, the seven stuff's okay. I would rather be in some sort of bracket or switch concept where you're going to double those guys. So instead of just getting four on four deep with two overhangs, just hanging out, I would try and get those. If you know, they're going to run verts, I would get some sort of doubling situation where you can double the slots. Um, that would be my biggest thing. And then, uh, I mean, it sounds like you have your one high answer with cover three and cover six. Matt, I'm, I'm hoping it's a match concept if they're two by two. Um, I mean, really, what is your trips concepts? I would have some sort of post concept or solo where the backside safety is robbing the vertical of three. I would have some sort of mini special stubby concept with maybe an off corner. And then man freeze pretty good. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you're going to start getting into some very specific coverages. I like a lot of the man match cover two stuff that Bama does their five cougar package and where it's it's two man if everybody goes vertical. But if two goes in or out, you know, you can play out like cover two. So, Chris, what's your uh, what's your take on that question? So, so his first thing was seven box. Is that correct? He said a lot of three and six and seven box installed. What are coverage options other than straight man, which I would my mind goes to man free, but you take this. Yeah. So obviously the, the three and six is good. Um, you know, the rotation strong rotation weak. Uh, you know, like, like you said, I mean, I, I, you and I have kind of said the same type of stuff. I, I would agree in two by two, we're going to play them in bracket. We're going to play some switch. Um, you know, if there's a better guy over there, we can play kind of CC or do some things where we're, we're doubling um, some different guys and get, using different leverage of inside leverage, outside leverage, um, both strong and weak to the field or the boundary, whatever it is in the two by two stuff, uh, the three by one, you know, again, the same stuff, uh, you know, that you were talking about, if, if that backside X is the guy that you have problems with then playing the, the, you know, the stubby mini version where you're doubling him playing three over two on the two inside guys, uh, or playing poach where if you can handle that backside guy, sending him over there and playing five on three of the field, I think those are all great starts. That's all kind of part of cover seven. Um, you know, for us, the two by two stuff, if we're going to get into the three or six, that's more run, run type stuff, you know, getting playing eight band, uh, eight band defense. Um, so seven, seven boxes, isn't a bad call, but again, that's still kind of, you know, the mod family. And, and for us, that's kind of been primarily a, a rundown call. You know, that guy's walling two first with flats. Um, I prefer, like you said, just kind of be run some brackets or some switches and, and being able to double the vertical routes. Right. How many own that? And that's funny because I've been a quarters guy forever, but what freaked me out is I saw Justin Wilcox when he was the DC at Boise State. And somebody asked him about quarters and he says, we don't like quarters on third down. And I kind of scoffed at being like 24 years old. You know, I had all the answers. <laughs> and I said, why don't you, <laughs> I said, why don't you, uh, why don't you like quarters on third down? He goes, because it's four cross man with a four man pass rush. And I went, oh, oh God, he's right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of my thing with box. Um, now Chris, do you ever, do you play, how much brackets do you play in rundowns? Cause I know the Saban guys played a lot, which if you're sitting the that, end, which we don't do, they do a lot of. That's our number one call. You know, it, you know, we, we run that system as you know, and, and seven brackets that obviously for us are the number one call, you know, we can do some different stuff, the split, you know, we can change a bracket to a switch or those type of things. But, uh, I mean, by far that's our number one call. We, we play seven brackets. 
to the field. Even on even on rundowns. Yep. That that that's that's our that's our base down call. Um, you know, I listen to you talk about one of the podcasts. Uh, we're a little bit different. We say first and ten and uh, second and one to seven. Um, but that's that's our our fifty fifty calls. You know, we don't get a whole lot of. You know, we faced some really good teams in the last week. We played the math, but this week we played Don Bosco Prep. You know, when we get the training league, there's not tendencies. There's really not. You know, there might be some stuff on third down, but but first and ten. Uh, and second one to one to seven or second and one to seven. If we get anything more than fifty five percent, I'm I'm like giddy. You know what I mean? It's really really balanced. So in those situations, um, you know, seven bracket is our lead call run pass. You know, obviously if we know it. If we know it's a third down, it's a little bit different situation. You know, those are those are the numbers. We'll get a little bit higher numbers, obviously, uh, when we're forced teams to throw. Um, you know, that that seven bracket will turn to seven switch most likely. We're still playing uh, cover seven. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, and really all bracket is, I mean, boxes. I mean, if three's fast and bracket, the stars, the nickel, whatever you want to call them is going to come off anyway. So you'll have that guy to the flat and all it does. I, I like bracket over box because like I said, it, it actually lets you, it lets your deep safety show up faster because if I know that that nickel's going to play man-to-man on number two if he goes vertical or a slant or whatever, and I don't have to hang out, I feel you can fit the run faster. Absolutely. Because and our you're, guy does you're a, protected. Yeah. Our guy does a great job of, of that. We just sit there. I mean, the guy doesn't move on the snap of the ball. I mean, it's it's visually really cool to see. Like, he literally just sits there and reads runner pass, and he's able to double two or get his butt into the box. Yeah. And so ever since I kind of discovered the coverage or – I mean, I known about it for a long time, but ever since I started really looking at it, I, I just I can't think of why we wouldn't play it. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, it, it's our number one call by far. It's our lead call. Good stuff. Our next question is from Josh Smith, his defensive coordinator. His Twitter handle is at a h coach Smith. His question is: Do you have a favorite drill or drills, and or plan to emphasize creating turnovers? I'll let you take this one first. Um, you know, we do we do a kind of a turnover circuit on Tuesdays. We call it kind of tough guy Tuesday. We'll do a block protection. We'll do a, a tackle thing in there. I like it because it kind of lets everybody coach uh, everybody on the team. You know, lets our D-line coach get over there and coach the outside linebackers and gets the corners and all those type of things. Um, you know, there's a couple ones that I like. You know, we, we've, we've stole the, uh, some of the Patriots, uh, Georgia – uh, trills that they do, the circle chase, uh, stumble bomb, those type of things. I just think I think the big key there is obviously is, is coaching up the right things. Worry your eyes. Um, you know, sometimes we're going to do the drill where it's jog at half speed, but that that actual turnover drill portion of it needs to be a full speed strip. You know, so they get that muscle memory down. So you know, there's a hundred one great ones out there. Um, obviously, I think you want to put the guys in the situation that they're going to be in. You know, the D-line art, you know, all the time in certain situations, you'll see them do a turnover drills at. So I think if you can do it, it's kind of uh, decision-specific. Uh, I think that really helps. Um, and, again, as long as you're coaching the details and uh, and getting that ball out or doing what you're doing full speed, I think that that's a big deal there. Yeah, we, we run all the those drills. So I'll take two out of the three we'll talk about. Stumble bum is a running back has the ball. He is – stumbling and popping off the ground with his hand. So it's training the backs. And we actually, our head coach, Rich Hammond's done a good job with this. 
we have a tackling circuit on Monday and we have a takeaway circuit on Tuesday. And then we have a tackling circuit again on Wednesday and he has the whole team do it, including the offense. So stumble bump, the, the backs and receivers are running, they're jogging and they're kind of popping up off the ground. They're popping up off the ground. And he's got a defensive player on either side trying to rip the ball out. Now, circle chase, you know, I am kind of being a hypocrite here because I just said we're a podcast and we'll try to explain everything as best we can. But this is, <laughs> the, yeah, drills are kind of hard, this one. But if you can, and I, I don't have it on me, so I know I'm going to get, where can I find it? If you go on Twitter, I'm sure if you search circle chase, you'll see it. Basically, you have a, res- what's that? I just have- I say I, I I can try to film it from what we do in practice and just kind of kind of throw it on my Twitter. Got to give me a couple of days to do that, but I I can possibly do that. Okay, yeah. So basically, what happens is receivers facing the offense, and he starts kind of jogging back to it, and then he he catches it, turns around, a defensive player kind of circles behind him and tries to pop the ball out, and then why the the guy in front of him is fronting up the tackle, and so. That's what he kind of mean by so it's like a half circle and then they're chasing from behind. So I like those two a lot. Yeah, especially when you get the offensive guys to do them, you know, that, that that's a big key. You know, we don't do a whole lot, but anytime you kind of do crossover endo, you know, I'm looking over there at the receivers and running backs and they're doing a strip through and the guy doing it's another offensive player, you know, because we're two platoon, uh-huh. you know, and I see the offensive player kind of doing it half, half, you know, half speed. I look over at our guys and the guy run the balls, run the ball like he's a loaf of bread or whatever. I'm like, hey man, we gotta get these guys together and, and do that. So, you know, I know that's the the formula for that. I know you guys do the same thing. You know, your offensive yeah. guys are trying to take the ball and the defensive guys are trying to take the ball away. And and that's kind of a crossover endo thing that we we try to do uh, at least once a week. And I, I think it's it's been a big big help for us. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. And those drills are great and and if anybody complains about it, you can say to talk to Bill Belichick. Exactly. Yeah. When you when you show the kids the video and the, the Patriots doing it, uh, there's there's instant uh, recognition of who that is and and okay, let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. So the next question is from Jeff Basich, and I, I'm trying to do the best I can pronouncing these names. Defensive coordinator. His Twitter handle is at j b a i s c h. The question is, how do you break down the film of your opponent? How do you start? What do you try to key for the week? And how do you evaluate quality of player in the field? So that's a open-ended question. I'll, I'll, I'll hit the quick hits here because I want to try to get to everybody's question. So how do I break down my opponent? So I mean, what we do is uh, we have a list of columns that we do. Each coach breaks down their own set of columns and then we put it together. The uh, the big thing for that is I want to know personnel um, and I don't look it down a distance a little later in the week. We try to we try to game plan the team, the personnel group holistically, because I think if you factor in down a distance too early, you can create a splintered game plan where you have like really neat second and eight calls, <laughs> but it's like nothing flows. And I found that once I started factoring in down a distance later on in the week it was much better for us um some of this is difficult so so that's how we start we all kind of just and, and and i guess for me where i start is i try and watch the game without picking up my pen 
unless it's taking notes on things. Um, I just want to watch the game through one time just to get a feel for them without watching cutups. Um, and then from there, I want to give it to the the other coaches that will, you know, start their own thing and then we'll kind of come together. What do we try to key for the week? I mean, there's nothing in particular. We, I mean, we, we try and see everything. I, I make a hit chart with formations. One thing I do that's a little different is I have a personnel column and then I have an alt personnel column for alternative. And what I do is if we're seeing teams that use the same personnel groups and they get a million formations, we try to split it up by what they would look, what, what personnel would it be if they naturally lined up there as a way to organize the hit chart. So we can put all the 10 personnel looks together, not necessarily 10 personnel, but we used to see a wing T team that would get into 31 personnel, three backs and a tight end. And then they would line up in a ton of formations. And so it helped with hit chart. If you could group everything together where, okay, yes, this is 31 personnel, but this is a 10 personnel formation. If everybody lined up in their natural formation and that helps create the, the hit chart and the adjustments and things. So those are just kind of some things. And then how do you evaluate the quality of player on the field? Uh, I mean, that's tough because you have to take into account, you know, who they're playing. Uh, sometimes it's hard to get the the feel for speed because, you know, just your eyes play tricks on you on film sometimes. So that's one thing you just kind of have to years of experience of just knowing what how fast guys should be in that sort of thing uh, and how they should fit relative to the other players or knowing the talent like okay well this school's not very good or this school's really good you know that history kind of plays important to that that's a that's a hard one to answer bail me out chris <laughs> uh well what we do with regards to that is you know each position coach is responsible for a certain part of their personnel so Myself as a coordinator, I'm going to watch the quarterback. I'm going to try to know everything about him. His mannerisms, you know, what his best ball is, what he does to pressure, what he does to certain looks. Does he have any on-the-ball procedure tendencies, you know, that we might be able to time up blitzes or do those type of things. Uh, our corner coach watches the receivers, and I ask him, about who, who, who's the best guy? And Sometimes he'll say, you know, this guy in vertical routes, this is their possession guy. This is the guy that's a great uh, blocker. You know, linebacker coach, safety coach, you know, they kind of look at those running backs, tight ends. And then our offense, our, our defensive line coach watches their offensive line. So I, it, it's not, you know, I don't want to put it on me uh, every weekend. I have great staff, absolutely great staff. But I don't put it on me every week to watch the film. Be like, okay, here's their best receiver. Here's their best lineman. Here's their worst lineman. You know, we all take a part in that game plan. And, and there's four of us in there on the weekends um, just kind of grinding. And, and we all talk and meet at a certain point and talk about, who those guys are. And, and, you know, I, I would not be, we would not be as good as we are if I had to sit there and, and do that myself. So um, blessed with a great staff and we all kind of take our own roles in that uh, with, with regards to the other questions. You know, I, I would love to say I do the same thing where I watch the game first, but when you start getting into league and later in the year, you know, I'm, we're very data driven. We are a game plan situation type defense. So I try to really start getting into those type of things and looking at cutups and those type of things. Um, you know, we break the last three or four games, uh, just like you. Everyone has their own columns. Uh, nobody breaks just one game. You know, certain guys are doing formation. Certain guys are doing motion, hash, all those type of things. And then when we put prefer the week, um, our Monday for us is, is that what we call that base down, that first and 10, second and one to seven. Th that's a big part of the game. Um, and that's what we're going to spend Monday on. So that's when we look at situations and down and distances. 
that's really what we're looking at on Sunday night for Monday. Uh, for Tuesday's practice, we're going to really focus on the red zone goal line area, as well as a base plays, maybe other second best personnel grouping or something that we're expecting to see. But, you know, we, we have uh, four group slash team periods a day. Um, and that Monday's inside run, uh, team pass, and then the, the first and second down period out of our two main personnels. Uh, Tuesday, it's usually uh, RPO team run period, seven on seven, and then a, a red zone period and a goal line period. And then Wednesday, we really focus on third down, which is that money down, which we make we take a big pride in that. You know, our goal every week is 70%. Last year, it was like 82.5% or something ridiculous. You know, we did such a great job on third down last year, and we, we dedicate almost a whole day to it. Um, you know, third one to three, four to seven, seven to 11, and then 12 plus. And we actually have little periods in that what we're expecting and what calls we benefit. So that's what we've done the last couple of years. And it's been really beneficial for us. Again, it's not, you know, the only way to do it, but it's, it's been really good for us. Again, Monday was first and second down, what we call base downs, Tuesday, red zone goal line. It goes with our motto of that day, which is tough guy Tuesday. Um, so, you know, we're doing red zone goal lines for a physical day. And then Wednesday, you know, winning third down, getting off the field there. And a lot of our success last year, was having that 80 plus percentage uh, third down wins. Gotcha. Good stuff, coach. Um, so the next question is any tips on defending stretch and inside zone versus a team using wide splits? Well, my first thought on that is blitz them. If you're going to try and run stretch with wide splits, that's from Chris Estrada, who's a defensive coordinator at Chief underscore Estrada. I mean, that's my. F- What's that? That's my boy Chris there. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, he, he, I, he, he I blitz him. Ten miles from us. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I've seen him. We post him out SoCal and stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that that's my first thought is blitz him. If they're going to be in big splits and try to run stretch, make them pay. Definitely. You try to get penetration on those things and, and bubble that thing back. Um, you know, we, we play Centennial who runs really big splits. You know, they don't really run stretch out. It's, it's an inside zone, almost, you know, kind of midline sometimes. It's a pistol. Uh, you know, we've had really good success, you know, a gap stuff. Um, you know, they're, they're going to do a lot of zone read on read different guys, you know, three or five and all that type of stuff. So kind of change up the read on those guys. Um, but definitely, um, you know, I, I think anytime you get the teams with the over the big splits, you try to find out whatever you can do to get their splits back down. There's a reason why they're in the big splits. That's how their op- offense operates. If they can stand that all night, you know, they're going to have some success. So, you know, not like we've done a great job against Centennial, but, you know, our our best years defending them is, is we basically got them out of those huge splits. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, they're in that stuff for a reason. That's why <laughs> That's why it's there. Um I mean, it also, and Chris brings up a great point. It depends on the pistol. We also play a team around here called Central, and they're very similar. And they might have got the offense from, from Centennial or vice versa. I'm, I know Matt's been doing this for a long time. I'm not sure. But the pistol changes things. And because now they can get down ho- downhill on you fast, you got to be careful because... You know, last year we played two G's and we didn't play arm's length apart. We got wider. And so they were actually able to create an extra gap in there and take the center up to the mic. And then 
just get a piece of those G's and run it in the A gap right behind the center, even though there was not one but two A gap players. And it's because, you know, you got to you got to throw what you know about geometry and football out. Anytime you get super big splits or super tiny splits, you have to change some of the 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 rules that govern how to play defense, in my opinion. So absolutely. You cannot play one gap football. That was our problem the first few years we played them. Hey, that guy's got the A gap. Well, the A gap is huge. You can't you know, we want him to tackle a phone booth, not a, you know, big old lane. So that was the hardest thing to do is we had to get kind of two guys into every gap. And a guy can overlap. But it just can't. You're not the A gap defender because you can't defend the A gap by yourself or the B gap by yourself with, with those splits just in space. Absolutely. Our next question is Eric Jones, defense coordinator and safeties coach. What's up, Eric? He's he's a great dude. His Twitter handle is at Blue Derivatives. His question is: How do your keys, reads, and run fits change your mint from four down fronts? I realize coverage plays a role in this. If you want to take this one first. Okay, so what we do, we've been a little bit different. We've kind of been doing this for a few years now. But with our run fits with the linebackers, we don't change it between our three-man structure, which we call mint, and the four-man, four-man structure. It's our structure. Um, you know, it, it's kind of different than a lot of people do. Uh, we have basically two rules when we play it. We're, we're reading the mesh, and we teach them clear and cloudy and tempo the ball. And that's really all we teach. And I know sometimes people look at you like, you know, we don't step up. We, again, we read mesh. One of my biggest pet peeves is we're watching practice films with our guys and, and a guy steps up and there's literally no mesh because the running back quarterback are running right by each other. You know, it's past mesh and they're sitting there stepping forward. Um, you know, just kind of something that we've got fairly good at through just years of being able to do it. Um, and we don't change anything in, in the vent stuff. Um, you know, obviously they got to know if they are the, uh, you know, to the back and the mint, that guy's usually got to be the quarterback player on the zone read stuff. And the other guy's more of a plug guy. Uh, we end up sending kind of a fourth rush a lot of times. We'll send the uh, one of those backers to the A gap or B gap, which kind of takes away that. We can do some different stuff coverage-wise. Obviously, I've heard you talk about this forever, and um, we agree with it. Obviously, coverage dictates the front. So there's obviously certain things in MIT that we're going to do and certain things we're, we're not going to do. Um, but we, for us, for, for high school and what we're trying to do, and, and we are a – try to be 75 four down 25 minutes you know on any given week there's some weeks that we'll kind of tweak that or go a different route based on what they're doing how much rpo are they really attacking those b gaps what are they doing um but for us to keep it simple with those guys let those guys play fast uh which is a big deal for us uh we we have the same same reads it's literally clear and cloudy tempo the ball we actually change up our read to the back if it's mint. So we're a gap team normally. We talk, I talked about this on the Pat Fox podcast. If you want to go back and listen, we talk about linebacker reads. And also, just as a PSA, um, if you want to go back and so, for example, you're in the season, you're hearing this episode and you're like, man, I'd love to hit those those Pat Fox. I'd love to hear him talk about linebacker play, but I don't have two hours to go through the podcast. If you go in the show notes, you'll see the timestamp when we talk about stuff. So if you want to go listen to us talk about linebacker play for 10 minutes and not listen to the other hour and 15 minutes because you're on a time crunch, I understand this time of year. Now, during during the offseason, I don't want to hear any excuses. You need to listen to every single second of these episodes for at least four times, but we're no longer friends. 
but you know, during the year, I, uh, I, I get it. Um, so, but you can do that. But, uh, so we're, we're Pat Fox guard tackle bubble in your back. Pierre gap backer. It's guard centered bubbled in your back. When we do get into mint in two by two, we're reading cloudy and clear and we're basically just hanging there. And, and, and unless you're pushing the nose front side, the backer to the back doesn't have a gap. Uh, technically he's inside out on the C gap if the ball cuts back with the overhang because we don't want that overhang too far involved because then he gets involved too fast rather because that's when the RPO if he does and all that but he's just hanging out I mentioned this I think on a couple episodes but last year I I came to a new team Clovis High School and the backers were not fitting super fast and so I was afraid to do the mint stuff, so we held off to the bye week because I was afraid if we started nesting and hanging out, not really coming downhill, and then all of a sudden the four-down stuff, we're coming downhill fast. Those guys were never going to get downhill when we needed them to get downhill, and we saw certain offenses where we, we had to get downhill now. So that guy to the back is kind of a special deal. He just kind of hangs out and sits with a cutback, and then the guy away, is he's playing his normal read. Um. Now, if it's three by one, there's no nest and there's no A to C because we say the guy away from the back is an A to C player. He's got A gap to C gap. Hit your feet in the A gap. When the ball starts to bounce out, you play it. If the nose either gets his ass kicked or kicks the center's ass and ends up in the front side A, then you'll work to the back side A. We don't want to get that linebacker to the back involved in anything downhill because now he can't go play the quarterback or the cutback. Now your overhang has to get involved. Now you've ruined the whole premise of the defense. Now, if it's three by one, we slide... We now have a zero backer. He's now got the A gap away from the back unless there's a call on. And now the slid linebacker has the C gap. So there's no A to C. There's no more nest. Those guys are single gap players now. So that's kind of the thought process I have. I'm a glutton for punishment. So we do play different rules. And those are those rules. So Uh, the next question is from Kevin Matthews. His position's not listed. This is really just a question, I guess, for me. I mean, unless you want to chime in. At KMAT football, that's K-M-A-T-T football. His question is, um, he thanks us for answering his questions about the run back. One fit says he loves Pat Fox. So do I. And basically, his question is, uh, you know, what's a good resource to learn all the TC vocabulary? Um. You could use any word. He's saying you could use any word, but somebody's already built a system and named the concept, so there's no point in reinventing the wheel. So this is a complex answer. My first um, my first answer to this is find somebody who runs a system and go coach for them like I did. Uh, I'm, I'll talk about it a little bit, but I shy away from getting into this stuff too much because even though I was in a defense that was not in Fort Worth, Texas, and I made the playbooks and I have everything. I feel just like a certain kind of protective over it for Coach Patterson because I know that he doesn't want to give it out. They are very secretive to the point where, like, it's frustrating for me as somebody who does know the defense and is not handing out the the terminology like candy. Uh, that's a tough one. He's done a good job of keeping things under wraps and for very good reasons he's been successful with it and people have not figured it out completely i will say that there is the 1999 coverage manual floating around chad glasgow did a thing at uh tony franklin in the 20 after the 2010 season in the early part of 2011 right after the rose bowl i think it was like a couple weeks after 
Uh, you do have to be careful because at some point during the film, the tags no longer match the film. Like the tags go like 15 or 17 plays ahead. They don't match the film. But what he's saying, it matches the film. And then he did another clinic in 2005. It was it wasn't AFCA. It was like TA. It might have been the Texas high school thing. I don't know. But you can find it floating around out there. And then there's the Coach Patterson, like seven disc series. It's on YouTube and you can piece it all together. Um, I will say that some of the words don't matter. Some do, some don't. Like Blast tells the end to get in a nine technique. There's really nothing to that. Um, it's just a word. Uh, silver, which is one of the words you mentioned, tells the end to only take the flare. That's paired with bullets because a silver bullet. Isn't that what kills a werewolf? Silver bullets. I think that's where that comes from. So some of the some of the words matter, some don't. Uh, so like for the example, without getting too deep into it, a lot of the stuff that tells DNs to cover are named after colors. So there's gold, there's silver, there's platinum. So there's some themes. Everybody knows the Blitz families. There's bullets of the two backers. Dogs are a backer and a safety from the same side. Smokes is a safety. Could be a, a one or two safeties. But a lot of it doesn't really matter. It's it's building the language system. It's having words in place. And I will say this, and this is coming from somebody who is very anal about retaining the same words that they do. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's the whole philosophy. So, you you know, you could take Bama's language and put it into their. In fact, I've thought about putting out a video series on how to run the 425 and to protect the guys in Fort Worth to use a different language, create a whole new language system so I could teach the concepts I want to teach and the overall philosophy without giving any trade secrets away or anything like that, because I don't want a horse head on my bed. Uh, I'll, uh, um, Godfather. So, I mean, there's, there's crumbs out there. There's details out there. I will tell you to put it all together. It's going to take a lot of discipline. A lot of time. I was fortunate enough to befriend some guys there, and I coached in a, you know, Coach Lechtenberg, who was on when I was with on the uh, the USA Football podcast. You know, we worked together at Millsaps. He was there for three years, one year with the backers, the D line, and the and the DBs, and so I was able to learn it through that. Um, but it's there's not a whole there's not like one place out there where all, and some of the stuff's outdated. Like if you go find that 99 manual, the mob stuff, they don't do that anymore. The seven, eight man stuff. Cop has not run very much. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of outdated, but. You know, really, it's just assigning a word to the kids that they'll remember. So and and a lot of their stuff like tank and army tank is to the call armies away. Toro's to the call aims away. But a lot of that, like some of the words you mentioned, fire, it just tells the DN he's slanted to the hip of the tackle. If the tackle down blocks, he comes off his butt. If he fans on him, he comes underneath. That doesn't really. Yeah, it's paired with smoke. So they say where there's smoke, there's fire. But we don't we don't necessarily run the fires with the smokes. I mean, it's, it's, so there's some there's some word association and then some there's just not. And some is descriptive, like drop means the DN drops. OK, <laughs> fair. But a lot of it's just it doesn't matter. And when you build a defense over 30 years like he has, there's stuff that's outdated that doesn't fit. And they're they're funny because 
and I tell this all the time. So their their front name for setting the three technique away from the back is Wildcat G. And the reason it's Wildcat G is because they played Northwestern in 2004, and that was the first time they used it. And that's it. It's stuck. Their 22 personnel package is called Bulldog because the first time they used it was against Fresno State, and they haven't changed it. They call the sniffer an owl because the first time they played it, Rice was doing it. So they call it the owl because the Rice owls. So that just proves that there's no real like deep meaning behind some of the stuff. Anyway, moving along. Sorry, I know it was a long answer, but I get asked this question a lot. So I figured I would spell it out. My next question is from my main man, Terrence Gant, coaches outside linebackers and he's the co-defensive coordinators. His Twitter is at Terrence, T-E-R-R-A-N-C-E underscore Gant, G-A-N-T. And his question is, what's your weekly practice breakdown for your defense, i.e. Monday formation recognition and motions, Tuesday first and second down, Wednesday short short yardage and goal line, et cetera. Now, Chris, you answered this earlier when we were talking about how do you break down your film for the week, but is there anything you want to add add to that answer before I go? No, not really. Like I said, we, we kind of have a theme for the day. You know, Monday, it's kind of a mental Monday, the, the first and second down stuff, tough guy Tuesday. So we add in red zone goal line because that just kind of fits that mentality. And then, you know, win the day, win the day Wednesday is, is the third down to try to get off the field. So um, that's just kind of what we've been doing the last couple of years. And we really like that. Our, our Tuesdays are terrible Tuesdays because I always think we're terrible on Tuesday. I'm just like always pissed off because that's the day that we kind of put everything in. Um, I'll, I'll give mine real quick. So Monday, uh, we do not do sevens or inside run at five. If you tell me I get the offense for 30 minutes, I'm taking all of them. So Mondays, we do two periods. We do their number one personnel group and their second personnel group. We play a team this week that only runs one. So and this is going to come out after we play them. I don't really care. So period one, we played. We practiced a five man box. There are 10 personnel teams. So we practice five man box with split safety coverage. And then the second period, we did the same plays, six-man box, one high covered. Usually, we'll do personnel group one and two. Tuesday, we will have three team periods. One team period is a review of the day before. So it all depends on the percentages. If they're 50% or they're 40, 40, 20 in terms of they have three personnel groups, we'll do the review period. It'll be both periods put together if they're like... 60 30 10 then we'll practice the review period from the previous day will be heavy on the first period or the the main personnel group so we'll have a review of a main or a split personnel group our second period will be the top blitz calls versus the either the top personnel group or the top two personnels so we usually go four three four so four plays for the ones three plays for the two four plays for the ones and so we'll do it like that so for example we played a team last week that was 10 and 20 or 10 and 20 personnel. So Tuesday, second period, we did four calls versus 20 blitz. Then the twos went and we did uh, four calls versus 10 blitz. And then the third period is either their third personnel group, or if they don't have a third personnel group, we'll do like, I think last week we did a review period and then we did two blitz periods. So we did a day where we blitzed or we did one of the periods we blitzed 10 and then the second period we blitzed 20, for example. So that just depends on what they do. And then if they have a team that runs five or six personnel groups, we might even split that. You know, if they're 8% and th- their third personnel groups run 8% of the time and their fourth personnel 6% of the time, we might split that. So that third period is either going to be their third personnel group or whatever we want it to be. And then Wednesdays, we do two 15-minute periods. 
the first 15 minute period is goal line and uh, red zone at goal line. And then the second period is third down third or third and fourth down. So third one all the way up and we climb the ladder. So we start a third one and then we work up this week. I think the shortest third down we have is third and three just by chance, you know, got one game in. We don't really factoring in scrimmage down in distances or whatever. So we did that. And then Thursday, I've talked about this a bunch of times, but we do. Uh, I got this from uh, we did this in Millsaps. TCU did it called Purple Ball. Where the assistants create the script and I call the defense like I've never heard it or I don't know what's coming. So instead of me scripting it, they script it. I give them some parameters. I give them a checklist. They mix everything up. The guy who kind of spearheads it stands on the field and says first and 10, negative 23 yard line, 20 personnel. I got to make a call. I tell the D line coach what I want. I make the call to the back end and then we run a play. That to me has been the best thing that I've done as a play caller because the first time I'm calling things is not on Friday night or Saturday morning, depending on where I'm playing and where I've been before. So I can't emphasize that enough. And I hope that answers your question. All right, I got two more left. Uh, the, the this one's from Bruno Brepol. I don't. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. B r e p a p o h l. His Twitter handle is at Coach Brepol. That's at Coach B r e p o h l. His question is: We base out a four-three-two high safety look. We're facing a team that runs ten personnel zone and power very well, and we struggle against it. Any advice on teaching the right keys or fits for the linebackers and maybe a change-up call to stop that kind of stuff? I'll take this one first. So um, if you're 4-3-2 high safety, one thing I can I can tell you is if they're, I don't know if they're an RPO team or not. Unless you're playing two attack of Iloa, if they are an RPO team, I would say the guy to the back is going to sit, be more patient. The guy away from the back is going to pull the pin and play faster. Um. If you're seeing zone, I mean, I like to slant with the play. So line the three up to the back and the G away and slant the three to the A and the G to the B and make the thing cut back. And really what you want to do is make it do what it doesn't want to do. So if they're a veer style team where it's hit on the same side, be thick to the back. Play a three to the back and sit the end or chase the end on the dive and have your your inside backer overlap. Hell, even play a zero, a four eye, and a six or a wide five to the back to be real thick. If they're running mid zone, then, you know, if they're running it in the A gap or they're trying to cross the tail of the center, then slant or put the three away from the back. But try to move with it or twist it. One thing you could do is put the three away from the back, have the end go up the field. People call this a read pop and have the end away loop to the A gap. What that does is that enables you to push the fit with your one linebacker still in the box. He can play the B gap to the back instead of having to play the A gap. And then your overhang outside of the ball or outside the box can go play the edge. If you're seeing power, um, I I would also slant slant with the play. Um, I would I would I think the weak part of power is the strong side A gap. So try to get that nose across face. Make sure you're bringing somebody for the cutback on the pole. And you should be good to go. As terms of stopper calls, one call that's good versus both of those is put the three away from the back, put a shade to the back, and put a tight five to the back, three and a five away. Have your three slant to a four eye. Have your shade try to cross face. Uh, long stick your five technique in the A gap and bring a backer off the edge. Flat spill path. 
and then line up your remaining linebacker and put him over the back and he's going to play the quarterback. So you're chasing the dive with the, you're basically almost getting into a slanting to a bear with a guy coming off the edge, screaming down the line, forces the quarterback to pull the ball and the backer who's stacked on the back, who ends up taking the quarterback steps around for him. Also to even make it even funkier is you could take the end away from the back because you're slanting to him. He could fold back around to be an extra cutback player. That's one of my favorites. Also a good play to stop that would be set the three away from the back. This would be more for power. Slant the nose front side across the face of the center and bring your one of your backers right off the center's butt. Trying to get in the puller's hip pocket. Tell your backer that's in the strong side A gap away from the back to, to fit back weak. That's another great call. So those are some things. I know that might be hard. You might have to listen to that one a couple times and draw that up. But you need to see it drawn and you just can't put it together from the pod. And I just didn't do a good enough job explaining it. Hit me up at Coach Vass and I'll, I can draw it for you and post it. Chris, I don't know what you got for that. Uh, all great answers. I mean, you kind of almost went through our, our call sheet there. Are certain things you want to do. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, you and I have obviously spent a lot of time talking football and, and kind of on the same page a lot of things. You know, we, we might call it different or have some different ideas, but those are all good things. Um, you know, if we get a lot of that, you know, obviously that's one of the reasons we get into some different things as well um, into some of the Met stuff that we really like into that. You know, we think it's really advantageous for us get the high school offensive lines, the block, the reason ones to do all those things you're talking about, then all of a sudden get into a four-eye head-up, four-eye type stuff. And just that just kind of really screws up their their blocking schemes, all of those things. So um, don't really have anything to add to that. You always have some really great answers. There's a couple there I was trying to write down. You went really fast. I'm like, okay, then I'm trying to put it into my terminology. Listen to it. You know, okay, is that is that back Tom? That's this, that's that, you know. So um, always some really great, really great ideas. So no, thanks, man. Uh, I, well, let me ask you a question. So, Mint, how do you feel? Um, so, we're playing a TN again. This is going to come out after this is over, so I don't really care. But I was going to put some three-down stuff in this week for a team, but they pull the guard a lot. They pull the tackle a lot, and they're like long trap, and they're trying to kick out away, you know, to the, to the five technique to the other side. How do you feel about mint and some of the four I zero four I stuff versus that? That stuff always makes me nervous. It make me feel better about it. So obviously, if, if we're bringing one of those guys, the inside guys, the the plug or the, the A gap B gap stuff, if we see pull, we we have what's kind of like a key blitz where he's not going and he's going to go try to the top of that. Um, our four eyes don't sit on anything in that. They'll chase. Um, so, you know, our, our D-line coach does a great job of teaching them that. And, you know, to get power, those type of things, they'll, they'll water ski that and get right in the guy's hip pocket. And, and it's been really good for us. I mean, I don't think there's there's very little that will get us out of that because I think it's honestly more advantageous for us to kind of – yeah, all right, you get up on a board and, and, and they're 100% perfect on their blocking schemes. Yeah, there's some things you can do, but because we don't, we don't major in it, we minor in it um, – you know, there's very little things that, that scare me out of doing that just for the fact that you're going against high school guys in front of you. They got to block threes and ones and do all the other stuff that we do. Now all of a sudden, it was kind of funny. There's there's a, a game last year where we did it and you, I was watching the center and he looks to the sideline and he was literally, he put four fingers up, a zero, and then four fingers up. He was trying to tell their coaching staff, like, hey, they're in 404 stuff. But I thought that was kind of funny. You know, because they can add it. <laughs> That's we, fantastic. If, if, but because if you do it with the same personnel that's in there, 
and you don't dictate like, hey, man, they're bringing in three whole new guys. They're going to be a mint package here. And you have that that jack kind of up on the ball, you know, is that guy a three? Is that a four eye? Is that a head up? Is that under? Is that mint? You know, so they were doing so, – so obviously the center was really smart, and they had plays to get into just when we were in the 404 stuff. And the center's like sitting there telling them, okay, they're in 404. Like, quit calling these plays. So, again, you know, we can go up on a whiteboard and say, hey, against, you know, you got a pin last and we're in 404. I'm going to do this. You know, we're in and out of it. And we're not, we're not going to major in it. We're not going to sit in it. So there's very little in that stuff that really bothers us. So, and for trade secrets, I don't really want to tell you what really bothers us. You know, you and I can talk about that later. But um, like I said, there's, we're, we're going to break that out pretty much every game. Just, just, yeah, I hear you. Well, yeah. And, and the other thing is move into it. If you're, if you're a mint or four down team, you're like, yeah, but if we get mint, they're going to check the play. Okay. We'll move They, They, um, yeah, I, I remember when I first started coaching, we used to run the bear and the four. That's why I was kind of excited about the mint. Cause it felt like bear. It had bear like tendencies. Yeah. And so I was like, sure. you know, now I can move. Cause there was a couple years we got rid of the move call. Cause we weren't running the bear, but bud foster had something. I think it was called doom G. And so we played a team and I had learned it. And I didn't even tell our kids. And we were, I think there were two back team. And so we lined up in the four, four robber coverage and the, and we, we stemmed a bear. We moved a bear. And the quarterback popped up and looked at the sideline and they checked the play, which if you run the bear, you know what you're going to get. It's weak side speed option usually or counter. I said, okay. And so we came off the field and I told the kids doom G I'm like, all right, we're going to call doom G we're going to lie. We're going to move. And if they check it, move back. And so, Oh, true story. Love it. Uh, Love it. Love it. The, the opponent will remain nameless, but we lined up in an over front. We moved a bear. Quarterback pops up, looks at the sideline. They get their check. He goes back under. We move back to, to over 4-4 four, four, robber coverage. They burned a timeout. That was the last time they checked a play at the line. So if you're seeing yeah. teams doing that stuff, hey, mess with them, man. They get to move. That's one of the only things we get. That's one of the only advantages we have as a defense. They got all the advantages. Kogan always talks about this. Well, I got one advantage that they don't, and I don't have, that means I don't have to set for a second before the ball snap. I can move around whenever I want. So take advantage of that. Really take advantage of that. Um, and, and so let me, let me ask you one more question, if you don't mind talking about it. And if you don't, you can just say pass. If you're playing mint, let's say it's... T- What's that? I'll give, you, I'll, give you my, I'll give you my answer for everything. Swarm and punish. Uh, that's, and that's the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't do that to me. Um, so if you're seeing, if you're admit, let's say it's two by two teams, you're running a, a team that wants to run power and you're in four I zero four I two thirty text. How are you fitting that? Are you going to have the play side backer spill and the backside guy jump over the top or how are you going to, how are you going to fit that? Uh, one more time. So what you got one back power. Yeah. Just two by two power. So it's four I zero four I they're pulling the guard. They cut everybody off. They they get it blocked, so you don't have any free runners. And so now is the 30 away from the back where the ball's going to? Is he gonna spill and then the backside 30 is gonna jump over the top with the overhang fitting? Or how, how are you gonna fit that? Uh it d- depends if we chase the four eye. Either one of the either the four eye or the backside backers gonna go across. 
And for us, usually it's that four eye going across. And then the backside backer plays that nest technique for the quarterback and you have to pull it. Okay. What if what if it's there they block it? So that so let's say the center blocks back in the four eye and the in the and the tackle kind of hinges seals. So they're coming down, they're coming back on the four eye. The 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 yeah. guard to the play is going down on the zero, and the play side tackle is blocking down on the play side four eye. You have the backside guy cross then? Yes. Okay, so you're gonna have the play yeah, side guy yeah, spill. Play side guy spill. I mean, and and ultimately, I mean, how are they blocking that four eye? They leave it letting him go on the, the strong side four eye. They're running to no, they're down. They're down. So the, the play side tackle is blocking down on the four eye. The play side guard is blocking back on the zero. The center and backside tackle are doubling the four eye with the guard pulling. Gotcha. So that front side backer, which being ran to, uh, the other the backside backer should call pull on that. He's actually going to point, you know, pull pull. We come. We're going to come off that last down block, which would be the down block on the four eye. We're going to show up right now, and and spill that out, and then the uh, that backside backer will basically temple the ball and go over the top. Okay. Now, do you play jump over the t- like? Do you jump over the top in your in your four down stuff too? On that, on that point, that basically, again, we talk about clear county tip of the ball. Really, the only fits we have are on pull fits. And where the guy where he's pulling to, so he's pulling from the left to the right, that backer on that other side will go off the last down block and spill everything. And that other backer basically temples the ball as he comes across. He will jump right. over the top if that's where the ball's going. And that's you where the mean? overhang away from the back triggering and going can help you too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we, we, we make a, a big deal on where the back is, the depth of that back. You know, where he's relation to the quarterback and what kind of plays we're going to get out of that. Um, you know, there's some definite tells that we have. You know, is that going to be uh, same side zone across the center zone? Is that stretch? Is that power read? You know, a lot of teams that we face that we see kind of have a little tell of where that back is. And our linebackers are all plugged into that to kind of know, hey, here's probably what we're getting on those things. Right. Right. But, but again, in, 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 in Mint and in, in, in base, uh, you don't teach different uh, run fits. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you're doing. There's absolutely zero wrong. You know, that's what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think we do so many other things um, that I think at this point right now, who we're facing and what we're doing and who our players are, that that's not a, a need. If that becomes right. a need that, that we can do, but at this point, that's uh, we're going to spend our time doing something else. Well, and maybe I have Bay Area PTSD or I overvalue. We play a single wing team. And we like last week we saw an I team legit ran like a fullback trap out of the eye. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, maybe I overvalue the importance. And like I said, maybe I'm just set my ways from being in the Bay Area for six years where you see country time lemonade downhill run is we I'm a I have to we have to do it different because we have to be so downhill still today in 2019. We have to be downhill, downhill. Like I talked to, well, like when some of our trips, we talked to some of these backer coaches and they say, you know, just tempo the back. I can't do that. I mean, I guess you could in theory, because if ISO, if he's fast, I'm fast. But like, I, I think you got to play it a little different or maybe I'm wrong. I, I could be, I could be wrong. But if I was seeing the stuff that you see, like I, I know the stuff that you see, I'm, I would be just like you as well. I mean, I would do that. Yeah, again, I think that's a big part of it. What you see, you know, what the funny thing is, last week they get under under center and they're running power, and our backside defensive end is freezing it. He's surfing it. It's like, dude, you're not being red. <laughs> under center, it's power. That happened to be in practice. 
to this week. So, like that's just what we see, and that's the call dictates. Are you a crash guy? Are you a freeze guy? You know, our front call dictates that. So we make a front call. You know, we're setting the three, the tight end, or to the, the the sniffer or the back. You know, we have that call, and he's just so programmed to. Okay, I'm going to be away from that call. I'm going to freeze the back. It's like, dude, he's under center. You're not being red. It's just, <laughs> it, the, you know, we're in a totally different mindset of just what we see, you know? And again, if we, we would play it totally different if we saw everything under center, you know, it just is, it's what we see and what we need to defend, um, what we've taught through the left, through the, the lower levels and up. And, and our, our guys are just pretty good at it now. Again, if we saw, after we talked about the flexibility, these other things, those, those kind of bastard things. You know, kind of, kind of screw you up a little bit. So luckily, we see primarily spread and and you know gun spread and you know every different formation out of it. But, but usually somebody's being red. We see tons of RPO, um, and that's just how the defense is built now to what we're we're defending what we're trying to see or what we're we're trying to defend what what we see. Right. Well, I saw um, we were in practice and we ran. Uh, it was a t- it was a tackle pulling and kicking play. It wasn't counter. It was just the tackle pulling. It wasn't dart. He wasn't folding inside. But anyway, the tackle's pulling. But they're blocking back on the five technique. Like, the guard is coming out to the five. And our five, <laughs> our five surfs into the block. I'm like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> like, he, like, surfed himself. He's, like, surfing. And then the guy just comes in ear holes. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, he pulled. And I'm like, yeah, that guard came and just blocked you. Make sure the guard isn't, like, not blocking you before you start silver surfing that thing. Yeah, love it. Oh, the 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 misery of coaching seventeen year olds. <laughs> All right, our last. Go ahead. What? What'd you say? Can we just come to say, do it once right and be done with it and move on to something else? Yes, that would be. That would be fantastic. Great. All right, so last question of the week comes from my man Grady Breen, who coaches quarterbacks, and he's the video coordinator. Much respect for putting that on there, by the way. Video coordinators need love too. His Twitter handle is at. Oh, that's why. That's how I got my start. I was an assistant student assistant in Miami, and then I was the assistant video coordinator at San Jose State for the man, the myth, the legend, Douglas Asumi. Douglas. Um. Anyway, back to Grady. His question or his Twitter account is uh, at Open Cross Plant. His question is ways that you beef up run defense and man coverage, especially to the D gap. Yeah, blitz it. I mean, bringing edge blitz to that side. I don't know. Maybe that's oversimplified. I mean, I guess. And then, and Brady, if you want more clarification on this, hit me up on Twitter. Um, I mean, if you're talking about versus a tight end, those answers are going to be different. I mean, if you're if you're worried about, uh, I'm going to say, let's say you're saying, well, D gap. I'm assuming then there's a tight end. Um, I mean. A couple things. One, where beefing up the run, where are you beefing it up inside? Uh, I mean, the D gap. I would say if you're worried about the D gap and you have a tight end, put your end in a nine, do the old choke technique on the tight end, the old stand up seven bear wide tackle six, or not wide tackle six, sorry, split four defense. We have a nine technique end, and you put your backer inside in a stand-up seven technique or six technique, however you want to do it, I would recommend a seven. Uh, and really just blitzing off the edge. I mean, if you're having trouble, if you're getting beat in the D-gap on the run, just run a guy there. Um, 
And my other thing is don't be afraid to play cover zero versus 21 personnel. If you're going to play quarters versus 21, and then you're going to tell me, oh, we don't want a zero blitz 21 personnel or 11. I mean, 11 personnel might be a little tricky, but, you know, get more guys to the point of attack. Just because you're bringing a fifth guy doesn't mean you have to play cover one. You can bring five versus 12 personnel. One of my favorite things to do is slant to the boundary, bring a guy from the field, play zero man, and let both backers key the back. I mean, that's a hell of a run defense right there. You're bringing five people and you have two extra guys you know, staring at the back. I mean, if you play quarters, you're basically doing the same thing. The only the only place you're weak is if you get like slant arrow. But I mean, just smoke it off the edge or bring it off the edge or mess with the edges. Uh, spill it, bring it off the edge and spill and have your backer overlap outside. I mean, those are some things that, that I would recommend. I don't know, Chris, how you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about D gap and dog. I think he said D gap at first. Yeah, D gap. No, no, always, D D's and D's and dog. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's always taken care of with us with either a back or a safety coming out of this quarter. Um, you're talking about beefing it up. I mean, yeah, and in man, and especially specifically in man coverage. Yeah, I mean, there's but there's some things that we might have done maybe outside of beer, maybe to like De La Salle or something that they've done in the past, but um, traditionally that we're bringing bringing a backer to take care of that D gap or safety. Um, put some guys off the edge, obviously that helps. That's I mean, like you said, that's answer number one in our in our uh, menu. I mean, a lot of defenses to, or offenses today rather can't handle those edge pressures. I mean, I think the bet again, I might get hate mail from these outside zone guys, but I think the best way to defend outside zone, to be honest with you, is actually is to slant away from it, bring a guy off the edge and then slant away from it and redirect. Because what happens is those guys tend to take such wide steps on you that when we played a team a couple years back that kicked our butts running outside zone, and the only thing that that we had success in, because they were so good, even slanting with them, they picked it up, was when we slanted away from them. And then what would happen is because they were so wide on their targeting, and this is... This is the best outside zone team I've seen in high school football, and especially week one. They're fantastic. I'm sure you guys can, if you want to do some research, you can figure out. I've laid the clues. I think you might know who I'm talking about. But they're so good at it that even slanting with them, they would cut us off. But when we would slant away from them, what would happen is, like, they, you know, their, their play side tight end and tackle were trying to reach our six. And what would happen is they would take their wide steps to do that. And our six would slant inside and then they would stop to try to overtake him. And he would get vertical through the gap and it would take away the cutback and would force the ball to go outside into the blitzer. So that would be, you know, if that's the type of D gap, C gap, D gap run you're talking about. Um, I mean, that's really that's the number one i'd say the number one d gap play nowadays besides like jet sweep i know that it's supposed to hit in the c but you know that thing kind of moves the difference between the c and the d gap and outside zone sometimes is difference in six inches so but um anyway i mean i don't know do you have anything to add to that no no i agree with what you say that's what i'm talking about <laughs> well coach king i've been bugging you for now five six months to come on this thing I, you finally cracked. You finally gave in to my persuasive powers. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank, well, thank I, you I, so I, much I'm, for coming I'm too, on. I'm too, busy, I'm too busy listening to him to learn. So 
So. Oh, stop. Yeah. Wow. That's that. I'll take it. That's high flattery. I'll, I, that's, I'll, that's a I'll, good answer. I'll show, you, I'll show you all my notes. <laughs> Got great guys on here. Great guys. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've been lucky to have some fantastic coaches on, uh, and they they all say yes for some reason. Uh, but uh, uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. Uh, good luck this year. And uh, as soon as the final whistle happens uh, this uh, this season, you know what you know what comes after that. Plan of the twenty twenty road trip. That's right. Absolutely. Who's going to be on the list? South somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> we should do. You know, what we should do is we should do like the the kids how they pick the hats, or where they're going to oh, go yeah. to school. We should, do that. <laughs> and then we should just put four hats and be like, "Psych, we're all going to all of them." Exactly. We've hit two up these last two years. I think we should try to hit three. You get I'm a little more start- time than I do. You had, yeah. you had that big point trip this year. That was that's true. Dope. I did twelve days on the road during the summer. That summer, those summer trips. Yeah, you guys are a little heavier in the summer that time of year than we are. Um, but the summer, the secret to to those trips is go during the summer, the early part of the summer before everybody leaves, because everybody's loosened up. They're happy. They're about to be on vacation. They're chilling. They don't have. There's not a ton of recruiting. There's not a ton of pressure, you know. Everybody's just kind of hanging out, but well, when we go for spring ball, they're usually trying to practice or yeah, meeting all that stuff. So, well, the past, so this year when we went to Georgia, they were winding down, so they were kind of on the backslide, uh, the backside rather of their spring. And then we went to Tennessee, and they they were done. All, all the coaches, one of the road coach Pruitt was there, yeah. and I think. Yeah, two other guys like the 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 GAs and stuff were there, but the, literally it was Coach Pruitt and that was it, and that was cool because there was nobody there, and so we just like kind of made ourselves at home. Plus, by the way, if you guys want to learn football, go see Coach Pruitt and crew at Tennessee. First of all, they're first class coaches. Second of all, they'll take care of you, whatever you want. And a lot of places say that <clears throat> you know who you are, and they're not like that. Tennessee's legit. They were awesome. It, Absolutely. They're awesome. And and Georgia's been awesome. Coach Schumann there has been nothing but just fantastic to me. And then I went to Alabama as well. ULL, my new bestie, Ron Roberts, who I just relentlessly harassed um, with questions. Um, but I'm starting it right now. Um, you know what, Chris? I'm using this platform. I have a platform now. Uh holla at me, Glazier. I have a platform now, so I'm going to, st- and this is appropriate. You're on. We're winding this down. I'm starting now. Dave Aranda, I know you listen to some of this stuff. I know that you've watched some of the, the pop up clinics. If you're listening, I doubt you're going to listen to this because you probably have to play Alabama this week or whatever. But if you're listening, I'm starting an open campaign. Hashtag let Kinger and Vass come to LSU. Let's make it a thing. I'm starting my our public harassment slash begging slash whatever you want to call it. Let us come. We won't bother you too much. And uh, I don't know. We'll bring you some of the finest wine from California. I don't know. We'll figure something out. We'll don't yeah. make us beg. <laughs> well, when uh, Orgeron was at Old Miss, I went back there twice in 06 and 07. So we'll, we'll, we'll find a way fast. We'll find a way. Hey, he's listen. He's from John Bosco. Okay. 
What are y'all in the country? Two, three, four. You're in the top five in the country. Depends on what poll you look at. One, I don't know. You know, come on. Stop playing, uh, Coach O. We'll get it done. <laughs> I like your, I like your optimism. We'll go have some gumbo. Yeah, I'll spell everything E A U X just 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 to like be in like the <laughs> the the you know wedded Rome as they say. Absolutely. All right, bro. It's it's eleven oh six. We you and I have a game in less than twenty four hours, so I'm gonna bid you adieu. Love you, brother, and I'll see you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Make Defense Great Again. I've had a blast doing these Q&A podcasts, and I really appreciate the thoughtful questions and taking time out of your busy schedule to engage us and try to help other coaches get better. As usual, you can find me on Twitter at Coach Fast or the show's Twitter account at MDGA Podcast. You can also find my guest today, Chris King, at, at Coach CJ Kinger. That's at Coach C-J-K-I-N-G-E-R. If you want to jump in on the fun, go to my website at www.coachfast.com slash podcast. Scroll down a little bit and you'll see the form to submit questions for the podcast next week. We will have a special guest join me to answer your questions to help you game plan for the following week. Again, guys, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time. I I know the season gets busy. I know you got a lot on your plate. You got a lot to think about. But the show has been going and going strong, and it's because you guys care to be a part of a community where we help coaches. So thank you again. And lastly, always remember the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes.